She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Strange visitors. For this episode, the story is by Hans Holzer. Nick did a deep dive on Holzer that we'll get to later. But for now, let's just say he was a prolific writer on the supernatural and the occult. The narration was written by Holzer and Robert R. Long. Long is the series producer. And there actually is no director for this episode. And it kind of (laughs) shows. It is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And it originally aired on Sunday, April 24th, 1977. So we open with Leonard Nimoy's narration. And he says, hidden beneath the seas, the walls of a great city are visible. There are those who believe the architects were the vanguards of a society who took root in a new land. Who built it and why are still unknown. Perhaps these ancients knew more of the world than modern men imagine. In any civilization, there are some who take risks. Men who reach beyond safe borders. The passing of adventurers may be signaled by structures on the land, marks in the earth, ciphers in stone. Like the curious ruin on a bleak New Hampshire hilltop. It is called Mystery Hill. Who built it and why? (gasps) And then we get opening credits. And then partway through the opening credits, we get more narration. And Nimoy says... New evidence suggests that North America was colonized long before the birth of Christ. Who were the colonists? How did they come to this wilderness? <sighs> wilderness that was already occupied by other people, but that's fine. I mean, they did say colonized, so I guess that's not the <laughs> incorrect word. And then we get insert. <laughs> And then we get in search of strange visitors and the credits continue. And then we get our disclaimer. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Yeah. In other words, we're going to talk about the most interesting possibilities that we find, but not necessarily the most realistic what i mean maybe i'm just saying yeah so as as tori has possibly implied uh, this episode of what we would basically call implicitly racist Mm -hmm. ancient native peoples were too primitive to do the same type of things that ancient europeans did and by ancient europeans we really mean white people many of which by the way would not be considered white people by white people if they were to somehow magically like transport to the modern day so interesting. That. Yeah, a lot of them are like um, Mediterranean and they probably would have had darker skin and yeah. dark hair mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. 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 Middle Eastern. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So just a quick rundown of the episode and then we're going to go into more depth about some of the stuff that it covers. So the episode acknowledges that Native Americans exist, but then it kind of disregards them. Like it will say, obviously, this land was occupied by indigenous peoples. But they didn't know how to do this stuff. So anyway, let's talk about these other people who might have come here to build this because that Mm -hmm. makes more sense. Anyway, we'll get into that. 
So basically 17th century Europeans arrive in what is now New Hampshire and they find ruins near what they call New Salem and they name it Mystery Hill. Because colonizers are super good at naming places. So also we're going to put a pin in that they called it Mystery Hill bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, we acknowledge that Native Americans were already there, but this gets disregarded as, well, they wouldn't have built this stone structure and surely their ancestors or other ancient indigenous people would not have done that. Why they Mm -hmm. think that, I don't know other than just like racism. In 1976, new evidence suggests a highly civilized presence on the shores of America a thousand years before the birth of Christ. Ooh. And again, we acknowledge that Native Americans were already there 3,000 years ago and then disregards that. They state that Native Americans remained mostly in the Stone Age and that they lacked the tools to build in stone. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem true, but you know. Primitives. And then we meet Professor Hans Holzer, noted author and student of antiquity. Mm-hmm. Lots of quote marks in that, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then we take a little side trip to the American Southwest. We learn that the Pueblo peoples use mud brick to build their cliff dwellings, not stone. They couldn't have built something like Mystery Hill. Its creators must have come from elsewhere. I mean, never mind mm-hmm. that clay and mud brick was like what was prevalent in the region, which is why they were using it. It has nothing to do with their ability rather than what was like available at the time but sure whatever <laughs> sorry i'm already we're <laughs> getting cranky about this episode <laughs> and then there's some heavy duty squinting on the part of the viewer as we see mystery hill and we're told that mystery hill reminds one of walled medieval streets and a built-out cave sure looks like a temple yeah by the way in my opinion so mystery hill like, obviously, you're not getting visuals in a podcast, right? Mystery Hill looks like if Sanford and Son was on the Flintstones and was mashed up as an episode of, like, some TLC show called Stone Hoarders. It's also extremely similar to, but seemingly more expansive than many colonial farm constructs from the 17th and 18th centuries, which, spoiler, is exactly what most academics actually think it is with some expansion added in the early 20th century, which we'll get to. Right. So a lot of people don't actually think this is an ancient 4,000-year-old rock pile. No. And then we get another side trip to the Medicine Wheel near the crest of the Bighorn Mountains of north-central Wyoming. Stones are aligned in a circle to create a calendar, but it's not as large-scale as Mystery Hill or Stonehenge, which will be brought up later. So, I mean, must have been Europeans. Must have been. Couldn't be them native peoples. And then the episode tells us that we know Leif Erikson made it here, quote unquote, because who even knows where, possibly by accident long before Columbus. So why couldn't have others done so on purpose? Yeah, I mean, neither Erikson nor Columbus actually made it to what is now called the United States. So we're assuming that here is just like the new world. Yeah, I mean, there's some evidence that Vikings did reach this coast and whatever well no they did they did have stuff in greenland they had stuff in newfoundland Mm -hmm. and there yeah there's yeah and they might have traveled a little further south but obviously there were already indigenous cultures here so it's not like they were coming in and like yeah yeah they were just yeah 
And then we're told that some charcoal supposedly found at Mystery Hill is carbon dated as being 3,000 years old. <gasps> Whoa. I mean, that sinks it right there because I'd really doubt that native peoples use charcoal and burn stuff. <laughs> so then we learn that Mystery Hill has a true north stone, a summer sunrise stone, and a winter sunset stone. <gasps> Could it be like the druids at Stonehenge? They did human sacrifice. <gasps> and Mystery Hill has a slab that has grooves that may have run with blood as a sacrificial table that's directly in front of this quote-unquote oracle chamber. Whoa. And oracle chambers? Well, we all know that's European. I mean, it is. I'm, I'm really coming on board with this theory, honestly. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely not just a piece of stone that might have been used to make lye or soap or something. I mean, all the things just, I mean, like, it looks like this, and those people did this, and so, and this looks like that, and then it just seems to, like, the logical steps seem to follow, I have to say. Yeah. And then we meet Barry Fell, and he believes that the Portuguese, the Celts, the Egyptians, and the Phoenicians all came to America by accident while cruising the Atlantic Ocean. But they wouldn't have built cities. Nah, why would they? Yeah. No, that I mean, that like seems... Well, to be fair, it was already occupied, so they probably got here and were like, oh, people are already here. Let's go. What? Yeah, anyway. I don't know. About that. But the Minoans might have been the ones who built cities. Whoa. On our shores. Ooh. And he has zero doubt that it was a Mediterranean culture that came to America, and recent discoveries in the Caribbean prove that. So Bronze Age civilizations from the Mediterranean definitely came here because that all tracks together. It does. I mean, they found discoveries in the Caribbean. I mean, we don't know what they are, but they said they found them. So, And yeah. there's a stone called the G-Stone, which is all the proof that Holzer needs. Those aren't just geometric etchings. And then he says... There is no question it was written by people who spoke the ancient Phoenician language and used the Phoenician alphabet. The origin of this inscription is the area of Phoenicia and the Isle of Crete, the Minoan culture where the Phoenician people settled and then became the Minoan people. Whoa, and that's a direct quote, by the way, so mm -hmm. he knows his stuff. I mean, it sounds good. I mean, unfortunately, nothing he said is true. Because there's no letter in the Phoenician alphabet that looks anything like a capital G. I get that the area of Phoenicia would include Crete, since at its height, it spread across the whole of the Mediterranean. But they technically had no cities on Crete. They did have some settlements on Crete, though. But they did not become the Minoans, either. They existed side by side with the Minoans and traded with them. And it's like, damn, dude, try a little bit, Mr. <laughs> Student of Antiquities. So, yeah. Hmm. anyway and then we get part of the narration and i love it this is not a direct quote this is a paraphrasing but it's like why if it wasn't for the yankee accents and pine trees one might believe they're actually in crete when they're walking along the stones of mystery hill and i'm like what <laughs> what are you talking about okay but apparently then the minoans decided that life was too hard in the americas it was too primitive for their mediterranean tastes and perhaps that's why they vanished and it's like damn we could have had minotaurs man if they had just stuck around like, seriously oh shame shame disappointing like man if america just wasn't so primitive could have had minotaurs 
And that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. We get Nimoy's closing statement, which mm-hmm. is the same curiosity which may someday take us to the stars has apparently propelled mankind throughout its long centuries of wanderings on this planet. We have evidence now that America was known to great civilizations, which had become dim memories long before the birth of Christ. Much of what those strange visitors knew may be lost to us forever. The coast of America we thought of as pristine until the 15th century may in fact have been a thriving outpost of commerce and explanation. Yeah, we were doing so good remembering the Native Americans before disregarding them. Now we just forgot about them altogether. I know. (laughs) And then he continues, we can only guess. The record of Mystery Hill was ignored for hundreds of years. It tells us that the Phoenicians may not have been the first strange visitors to America, but they were apparently the first to build a link between the old and new worlds. The link would be broken for reasons we cannot fathom yet. Centuries later, the old world would rediscover the new. This time, the link would hold. Woo! Yay, Link! Woo! <laughs> yay! I mean, unless you're a Native American, because then you probably suffer yeah, genocide. probably not super but, excited about that, yeah. Yeah, and then we get a new pre-closing credit narration by Leonard Nimoy over a montage and the theme song that usually plays. And it smoothly transitions into the credits. And I want to emphasize the smoothly transition to the credits. Because honestly, none of our credits are very smooth transitions. So it's like, and then like stops. And then Leonard Nimoy comes in and then comes back to the music. It's just, this one is smooth. So that narration is lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, Magic and witchcraft. Unexplained phenomena. In search of cameras are traveling the world, seeking out these great mysteries. This program was the result of the work of scientists, researchers, and a group of highly skilled technicians. Whoa. And then we get the closing credits. Yeah. And then it's over. So surely everything we just talked about is exactly true. Yes. To some people. (laughs) So Mystery Hill, which is now known as America Stonehenge, is a privately owned tourist attraction and archaeological site consisting of a number of large rocks and stone structures scattered around roughly 30 acres within the town of Salem, New Hampshire. Yeah, lots of Salem's in New, like they were super original, those colonists, I have to say. They named everything either new or they just used the same name in like in every, like, oh, 30 miles have passed. We can name it this again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this area, America Stonehenge, is open to the public for a fee, which is currently $12 per person. Oh. And I just have to mention, I grew up in a tourist town, so I am incredibly cynical when it comes to tourist traps. Like, I don't mind going to a random tourist trap. I'll stop on the road to see a big ball of yarn, whatever. I'm not against the idea, but I I do have like the cynicism towards things that are meant to bait tourists because I know exactly how that works. This site was first dubbed Mystery Hill by William Goodwin, an insurance executive who purchased the area in 1937. Mm -hmm. So it was not called Mystery Hill by 
by people in the 1700s no it was just that place over there it was just hey remember that there's some rocks in the woods if you go that way yeah so that was the pin was that it wasn't named that by the 17th century colonists no it wasn't like colonists got there and the indigenous people in the area if they bothered to speak to them at all were not like nope we don't know what that is that's just been there forever and so then it's they started a mystery, mystery and hill. it's on a hill yeah so, yeah no it was just a random pile of rocks that no one talked about mm-hmm. it's much. also believed that he enhanced some of the colonial structures that people basically didn't give a second thought to prior to his purchase of the land so even if it were somehow an ancient rock structure he added to it and did some work on it And most people believe it probably wasn't even there before the colonists arrived because the colonists are the ones who built it. Right, exactly. Because there are several similar structures that they were used like for, you know, like got to store your rutabagas, right? And that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So they're basically outdoor sellers. So The aptly named Stone family has owned and operated the property since 1957. And Mystery Hill was the official name of the site until 1982, when it was renamed America's Stonehenge. The rebranding was an effort to separate it from roadside oddity sites and reinforce the idea that it is actually an ancient archaeological site, not just a cheap tourist trap and a cynical cash grab. What? Man. It is referred to as Mystery Hill on New Hampshire historical marker number 72. You can Google New Hampshire historical markers and actually see pictures of all of them. The Mystery Hill one is surprisingly not the craziest, not even close. Actually, it's very matter of fact. It says, Mystery Hill, four miles east on Route 3 is a privately owned complex of strange structures bearing similarities to early stonework found in Western Europe. They suggest an ancient culture may have existed here more than 2,000 years ago. Sometimes called America Stonehenge, these intriguing chambers hold a fascinating story and could be remnants of pre-Viking or even Phoenician civilization. But they really hedge it there. So mm-hmm. bearing similarities could be. So for some <laughs> reason, they decide to use the Roman numerals for Route 3. And so you will sometimes see the text transcribed as Route 111. There is no Route 111. I don't believe in New Hampshire. It's Route 3. Also, this is not the first time that we have talked about weirdness along Route 3 in New Hampshire. Oh. Coincidence? You decide. Yes. And the site is mentioned in Season 2, Episode 14 of The X-Files, Dihan Diverlitz. The episode takes place in the fictional town of Milford Haven, New Hampshire, and in it, Shannon Osbury tearfully tells Mulder and Scully that a school field trip to what they call the American Stonehenge triggered her recovered memories of sexual and ritual satanic abuse which began when she was four years old like we're not just making up this whole x-files adjacent thing you know like it's adjacent okay (laughs) yes it really is yes so hans holzer who was born january 26 1920 and died april 26 2009 was an austrian american author and parapsychologist he was born in vienna austria He went on to study archaeology and ancient history at the University of Vienna, but his family was Jewish and left Austria for New York City in 1938. He studied Japanese at Columbia University and after studying comparative religion and parapsychology, claimed to have obtained a PhD at a school called the London College of Applied Science 
which has never been validated. Mm. Might be fake. Man, it must have been sweet to live in a time where you could just like say you had a degree <laughs> from a school and there weren't like internet computers that people could use to quickly check on that. So I mean, honestly, people still do that shit and don't always get caught. Honestly. Yeah. Ooh. Or they just make a fake school and then say they got a degree from it. Right. Um, and we and we didn't really specify. So this episode is literally Holzer going around talking to people at Mystery Hill. So he's like, in, not only did he write the episode and write the narration, but he's actually literally in the episode. So just for clarification on that. Yeah. He went on to teach parapsychology at the New York Institute of Technology. Which makes me think Ghostbusters, honestly. I but. know. I, same thing. Yeah, that's the first <laughs> thing I think of. And he wrote more than 120 books on supernatural and occult subjects for the popular market, as well as several musicals, plays, and films, and documentaries. And he hosted a television show, Ghost Hunter, which is mm-hmm. also the name of his first book, and not to be confused with the show Ghost Hunters. And yes. like Ghost Hunters is super trademarked, and they will get all up in you if you try and like use the word ghost hunters yeah because apparently that s is a big difference so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. also at least two of his books have the words elvis and speaks in their title and were written after elvis died Mm. huh 62 of his books are available in full via the internet archive at archive.org so you can actually read his books completely though there is at least one duplicate and one is in spanish so really there's like 60 Sadly, the Elvis ones are not included in that 62, though. Oh, darn. Yep. And Holzer's most famous investigation was into the Amityville horror case, and he went on to write several books about the subject, both fiction and nonfiction. Yes, one could argue that all his books are fiction, but um, it should be noted that Holzer was not involved in the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, by Jay Anson, which was the basis for the 1979 movie of the same name. Mm -hmm. However... The 1982 prequel, Amityville 2, The Possession, is based on Holzer's 1979 book, Murder in Amityville. And then he wrote the novelization, Amityville 2, The Possession, in 1982. Oh, wow. Yeah. Additionally, the 1990 direct-to-video movie, The Amityville Curse, is based on his 1981 book of the same name, which is literally pure fiction. It is actually a novel. And it confused readers because it directly contradicts his supposedly nonfiction book, Murder in Amityville, which is also a prequel and explains why this stuff is haunting. So I'm like, that's the way you do it, man. Money for nothing and your ghosts are free, dude. (laughs) Like, seriously, just make shit up and people will buy it. So, yeah. And then on the side of not so crazy pants, Holzer was a vegetarian and did not drink alcohol. And in 1973, he wrote The Vegetarian Way of Life. This book is on the Internet Archive. So if you want to check that out, you can check out how Holzer's Vegetarian Way of Life went, I guess. Yeah. He was also married to a countess, Catherine Genevieve Buxtoven. A lot of syllables there. I'm not sure how to say that. Who was supposedly the sixth generation descendant of Russian Empress Catherine the Great. They had two children, and they eventually divorced, we think. They definitely separated, but for the divorce itself, there is no verifiable proof on record, which I'm sure is definitely the only time something like that has happened in his life. So, (laughs) absolutely sure. His daughter, Alexandra Holzer, 
who is described in press releases as a renowned East Coast-based paranormal investigator, sensitive journalist, and author, wrote a 2008 book titled Growing Up Haunted, based on her life with her father and his paranormal quest. In 2013, the book was optioned by Vance Entertainment to be made into a feature film, and she signed a deal with Spike TV to develop a reality TV show around the normal life of her, her husband, and their four children, two of whom are reported to also be sensitives, which means that they can sense or communicate with ghosts. To my knowledge, neither deal produced anything beyond press releases, which in my opinion, I'm like, thank you. So <laughs> Vance Entertainment has its own equally rabbit hole story that I could spend probably a whole podcast going into. But for the moment, let's just leave it at my surprising discovery that we have seen the work of the co-founder of Vance Entertainment many, many, many times. And in places that I particularly mention on the regular in our podcasts. So wait, who's the co-founder? Marilyn Vance. Oh. She is a costume designer. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. They apparently optioned all of Holzner's books to make movies. But as far as I know, the company is, I couldn't really find anything on it. I did find a dissolution, but I don't know because I've found other companies that are still around that have dissolutions and they reincorporate just like a legal kind of thing. So it's, it's co-founded by her and her son. So, okay. Yeah. But interesting. That's some interesting stories. And then when you look up her like history of things she's worked on, I was kind of like, whoa. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> In 2019, the Travel Channel began airing a series called The Holzer Files, which sent modern day ghost hunters to the locations of Holzer's documented cases. It was two seasons and has a total of 23 episodes. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, it kind of looks like garbage to me, but I'm not a reality TV fan. Yeah. So I don't know. The last season was a year ago. So if it was going to be renewed, it technically should have been renewed again. But when I was doing research on it, I couldn't find anything about it not being renewed. The only like news articles I could find the most recent were the announcement of the second season and then the listing for the second season episodes. But Weird. it technically should have already had a new season starting around like last October in 2021 if it was going to be renewed and it hasn't been. But I also couldn't find anything about it not being renewed. So I don't know what the, it's kind of in limbo, like a spirit. So <laughs> That's the kind of thing I would have watched if it was like made in 2003, probably. I know, but... just like the stills and stuff and like the the episode, like preview you get of like the episode and the image when they show the video. I was just like, oh God. But anyway, I could be wrong. Who knows? But it probably <laughs> is garbage. So... And then finally, we have Barney Fell, winner of the most egregious comb-over in a syndicated series. Honestly, there are a lot of comb-overs in the search of. We were only like two episodes in. His is super. He, he's got to have like at least 18 inches of hair wrapped around the top of his head. Anyway, in 1976, he published America B.C., Ancient Settlers in the New World, in which Fell provides evidence of occupation in pre-Columbian times based on sites like Mystery Hill astronomically positioned stones like the medicine wheel and claims of ancient Ogham, Phoenician and Iberian scripts found in North America. So remember when they said in 1976, new evidence was uncovered that suggested a highly civilized presence on the shores of America 3000 years ago, bingo Twas old Barney and his mm -hmm. book. That is our evidence. So yeah. 
And while making the template for next episode's script, I inadvertently came up with a TLDR for this episode, which is episode breakdown. The Portuguese, Celts, and Phoenicians all probably came to America, but they wouldn't have built cities like the Minoans. Bummer. We could have had Minotaurs. So, yeah, that's it. It's all you yeah. need to know. Yeah, pretty much. If you're interested <laughs> in seeing what it looks like, there are a lot of like YouTube tours where people will take their camera around and show you like the whole thing. I watched a couple of them. There was one from 2012, I think, where the guy was super cranky. It wasn't really a tour. It was kind of a breakdown of what Mr. Hill is, but it has a lot of video footage. And he was just like, yeah, all this is nonsense. This sacrificial table was probably used to make soap or possibly like <laughs> smash fruit and get juices from fruit or something. And like, yeah. But then he also like had clips from In Search Of. And he's like, In Search Of claims this, but it's all nonsense. Mm-hmm. So he was really cranky. But yeah, yeah there are a lot of is, people who... It is like a slab and it does have like a, like a, you know, it an, it's got an edging yeah. around it. Like, like sometimes you buy cutting boards that have those, right? It's, yes. it's got that, so... But it, it could have not. been and like it was also I mean, a lot of people made soap in the 17, 1800s. So, yeah, back when the colonists were there and might have actually built the entire structure. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, if you're interested in actually seeing it, you don't want to pay 12 bucks or like me, you're on the other side of the country and are not going to make that drive just for this. There are definitely plenty of YouTubers who have toured it and you can just kind of see it. It's not super impressive, I have to say, like, it. I don't know, it no. looks like if you've ever been where like a house is burned down or something. And, you know, there's just like the chimney and kind of the foundation standing left. That's kind of what it looks like. Only it's a little taller. Like it's just, it looks like a junkyard of stones is what it looks like. Honestly, that's exactly what it looks like. Picture a junkyard, like with cars piled up and instead of it's cars, it's stones. And there you go. That's mystery Hill. Yeah. It's definitely not like, Oh, it's an ancient building that was found. Yeah, Yeah. I would not be confused that I was on Crete and, you know, because, there is an awesome artwork everywhere. And then I would not be confused that I was in a medieval street either. So. Yeah. And another thing that, that the YouTuber I mentioned says, like he points out that no bronze age artifacts have ever been found in mystery Hill or around the area, which would be an mm-hmm. indication of like bronze age Europeans, like leaving artifacts. Yeah. And but what they have found are lots of stone flakes because you can actually build with stone without having metal tools people do it all the time like native americans had arrowheads so even if they did not have stone tools they still worked in stone yeah yeah i mean so. they totally could have built it it does seem like it was just something built in the 1700s by white colonists and then forgotten yes. and then repurposed in the 1900s but yeah yeah, yeah. anyway that's our story strange visitors i really thought strange visitors was going to be about aliens i gotta say me too <laughs> it's kind of or again maybe poltergeist or ghost right strange visitors yeah. in the night but nope they tricked White us Man- again <laughs> yeah yeah they no it's just again. a hill full of stones that is not probably ancient at all very exciting yay <laughs> yay well thanks for listening Thank you. Thanks for your Patreon support. Yes, we appreciate it. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by The Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes. 
covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure and join us next Wednesday as we go in search of ancient aviators. <gasps> it's going to be aliens. Maybe. And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still, still out, out there. there. If they don't trick us again. The truth is what we make of it. say Skinner instead of Mulder, Mulder instead of Scully, and then let us catch it. I usually just will grab it from somewhere else that kind of matches and stick it in so that it's correct, but I couldn't do that. So, mm. anyway, yeah. Sausage, 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 sausage. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it always sounds really great. I'm like, yay! We get things right. Mostly because Nick makes it sound like we get, like we things. get things right. Yeah. Yay. Like that, what episode was it when um oh it was uh it was paperclip oh where you where you got the you got the um the monty hall thing backwards oh yeah <laughs> like, and you managed to, I had to fix cut it. it all i had to cut it all to make it fix it oh yeah oh my god i know i can't believe you were able to do that that's hilarious <laughs> you could have just let me sound stupid that's fine too no but... no 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 i'm not a yeah. math person i've said that many times i mean at one i actually did <laughs> i i worked on it for a while and i gave up and then I re- I came and I recorded a little like, like like insert of like, hey, just so you guys know, what's coming up is just backwards. We messed it up, right? <laughs> and then I was like, I don't, but I don't want to do that. And so then I went back and just worked on it some more, and was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. So it just, I just had to come back to it. With, had to, sometimes I have to come back to it with fresh eyes. Like sometimes I'll listen to the episode when it comes out, and I'll go in and tweak it a little bit because I realized like, oh, I could have just done this. <laughs> and then and fix it so anyway <laughs>